0: And it's been a fun series. We've had a great time. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I love that Blake said was, he said they're trying to learn the culture so they can, can communicate to that culture, so they can communicate differently to reach the people they're trying to reach. And that's really what this series has been all about, is about us saying, hey, we're going to communicate communicate the gospel, but we're going to communicate it differently. We're going to use the, the venue, or we're going to use the, the, the avenue, I guess, of of movies to help communicate scripture in the gospel. Uh, So we're gonna be finishing that that up today, but I wanna encourage you, um, I, I don't wanna encourage you. I wanna say really strongly, I want you here next week. Next week we're starting a new series and we're gonna be talking about the vision for the church, for the summit, for the next few years. And I would love for you to be here and be a part of that. It's gonna be really, really exciting. And so if there's ever been a weekend that you thought we're gonna skip church, we're going out of town, you don't want it to be next weekend because we're gonna be unpacking some things that are, that are gonna be really exciting and I want you to hear about them. So please be here next weekend on Saturday or Sunday um, because uh, you, you won't want miss it. You will regret it if you miss it. So our series that we're starting next week is called Imagine. So please be here, be a part of that. So like I said, we're finishing up at the movies today. And then the theme we're going to be looking at is the theme of hope. Um, one of the things that, that we commonly do with, with hope is we use the word hope uh, interchangeably with the word wish. So we will say things like, um, I hope the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year. Um, right? And we do, because we all love the Steelers, and if you don't love the Steelers, just get out of here. We don't need you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a bunch of Cowboy fans that are like, hey, I'm going to cut you. Um, there, there, are, there are Pirates fans in the room that are thinking, man, I hope the Pirates can overtake the Cardinals, right? Um, it's probably not going to happen, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not building any goodwill at all today, am I? Um, but we say things like, man, I hope I can win the lotto. Well, probably not gonna happen. It's a wish, right? Man, I hope, I hope my boss can start being nicer. And it's really not a hope, it's a wish. You're wishing that your life would get better. And wishes really don't change anything about our life. Um, but, but what we see about hope is that when, when hope, biblically speaking, is really understood, hope is much more than a wish, it's an expectation. We have an expectation of what God will do. And faith and hope are very closely aligned, but they are not the exact same thing. Um, uh, Faith, and I don't have time to unpack all this today, so I'm gonna just touch on it. Faith says God can do anything, right? God can fix my situation. God is a big God. He's able. I know God can supply a job. God can um, take care of the situation. God can restore a relationship. God can heal me. I know God can. But hope is kind of, uh, grounded in our will where we choose to believe, not just that he can, but that he will. So if faith says hope can, uh, uh, if faith says God can, hope says God will. Does that make sense? Because we choose to believe it from the very core of who we are. It's not saying it's optional, it's possible, but hope says God will. And because of, because of the way hope is made up, many times we encounter it in persecution. And so that's when we need hope the most. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, the movie we're going to be looking at today and examining, walking through, is a movie called uh, Pursuit of Happiness. And uh, it's about a man named Chris Gardner. And he in 19, set in 1981, and Chris was a medical equipment salesman. He had uh, bought into a company, and he began selling these bone, bone density scanners to doctors and hospitals all over the San Francisco area. And business was bad. Um, he had... He had sold some scanners, but he wasn't moving them as quickly as he should. And his wife and son, Christopher, um, they were you know, trying to eke out a living. His wife was working double shifts, and they were doing everything they can just to, just to keep things afloat. And the financial pressure was just bearing down on this couple. And if you've, ever, uh, if you've ever had financial pressure, you know what that does to your marriage, to your relationships. And one day, Chris, um, he was walking through the financial district, and as he was, a man pulls up in a Ferrari and parks his car, and Chris walks up to this guy and he says, I got two questions for you. What do you do and how do you do it? And the guy says, hey, I'm a stockbroker and uh, you know, I, I work at Dean Witter. And Chris said, uh, man, you probably have to have a degree. And he said, no, you, you gotta be good with people. You gotta be good with numbers. And at that moment, Chris thought, I'm good with numbers and I'm pretty good with people. That might be an option for me. And all of a sudden, his view shifted and changed. So Chris after a lot of persistence, he finally got an interview for a position at Dean Winter, but what he found out afterwards was that the position was not for a job, it was for an internship. And the internship was an unpaid six-month internship where they would work like crazy, and at the end of that six-month internship, one candidate out of 20 would receive a job. So the top candidate would get a job. So Chris had this choice to make. Should I, should I try to do this or not? What does this look like? But. Luckily, he, he did get the interview. He, he was able to sit down with them. Um, at the end of the six months, he would have to figure out what would happen. So this was a big risk for Chris to take. Um, he was painting his apartment one day. Um, his rent was due, and he couldn't pay it because of the financial situation. And his landlord told him, if you'll paint your apartment, I'll give you an extra week. So Chris thought that was a good deal. He started painting his apartment, and he got a knock on his door, and it was the police. The police notified him that he had unpaid parking tickets and that he was going to be arrested. So he was taken to jail, and when he got to jail, he was going to write a check to to secure his release, but they told him that the check had to clear the next morning at 9.30. The problem is he had to be at Dean Winter the next morning for an interview. So Chris had to be there, but he wasn't sure he was going to be able to make it on time.
1: I'm okay. Chris Gardner? Chris Gardner. How are you? Good morning. Chris Gardner. Chris Gardner, good to see you again. Chris Gardner, pleasure. I've been sitting out there for the last half hour trying to come up with a story that would explain my being here dressed like this. And, And I wanted to come up with a story that would demonstrate qualities that I'm sure you all admire here, like like earnestness or diligence and team playing to something. And I couldn't think of anything. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? <laughs> and, and I ran all the way here from the, the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my
0: apartment. Is it dry now? I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, He's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so.
1: And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir. I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris?
0: I don't know. One too many, apparently. Is he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class? In school?
1: High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, 12. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um... I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what, I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris,
0: what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And
1: I hired him, what would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants.
0: (laughs) Chris, I don't know how you did it dressed as a garbage man, but you really pulled it off in there. Thank you very much, Mr. Twistle. Hey, now you can call me Jay. All right, (laughs) we'll talk to you soon. You know, when Chris got out of jail, he made his mad dash across town to get to his job interview. Uh, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I probably wouldn't have done that. I, I probably would have gotten out and gone, you know what, there's no way they're going to give me this job. There's no way this is going to work out. Even if I get there, I'm dressed like it's, it's just not going to happen. You know, the odds are against me. I'm just going to shut this down. Um, it would have seemed like a risk to do that. And even sitting there in the office, I think Chris probably was thinking, man, this is, this is risky. Like, what if they say no? What if, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if? And the truth is, hope causes us to take risks. Hope forces us to do things that we wouldn't normally do because we believe deeply that something is going to happen. Because we are expectant about our future. We're expectant that, that good is going to come. It causes us to do things that other people would look at and say it's risky. This is what it says in Romans 8, 24. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It, it, as Christians We believe in what we do not see, and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, But hope, hope is something that, um, it it happens when we don't see things. This is what Scripture is telling us. We hope in that which we do not see, because if we see it, there's not really hope. Let me tell you a story. Um, I was 15 years old, growing up in Mustang, Oklahoma, the hard streets of suburban Oklahoma City. And I wanted nothing more than to get a truck when I turned 16. And uh, I I dreamed about it. I I wanted it so badly. And my dad, he he found this used pickup truck and uh, got a pretty good price on it. And so before I turned 16, he, he brought this truck home. So every day it was sitting out in my driveway, and I could look out and go, that's my truck. And so like a lot of guys do the before, they can turn, before they can drive, I would go out and I would sit in my truck. And I couldn't go anywhere. I'm not driving, but I would turn the radio on. And my parents wouldn't let me you know, turn the ignition and start the truck, but I could turn it on where at least I'd have power and I'd turn on the radio. And I would sit in that truck with the windows down and I would act like I was driving It was cool. I was imagining my future. And and people were going to think I look so good in this truck. It was a GMC S15 in 1988. There are people in the room that weren't even alive in 1988. And, And after I started driving, my parents. They, um, this was pre-cell phones like we know today, and and cell phones didn't have protective casings on them. Uh, The cell phone I had had a protective bag. It was a bag. It was gigantic, and it was like Velcroed open and closed, and you carried it around with you because, you know, that's what you did with phones. And so I would have it in my car and you couldn't ever talk on it because we had like 40 minutes we could use for the whole month. So my parents made it clear. You only use this if you are dead or dying. Okay. Like if you're bleeding profusely, it'll be worth the charges we will incur if you call. But otherwise we don't want to hear from you. Okay. So I couldn't make a phone call. They made it very clear. So what I would do though, is I would be driving down the road and I would take the phone and I would put it up to my ear and I would stop and And then I never looked to the side to see if anybody was looking, because I knew they were looking. And I would look straight ahead and then pull on. I knew that I was the coolest person on the road with my bag phone. But the truth is, I was a nerd, all right? And I still am a nerd. But I, I didn't have to envision or hope for a truck because the truck was sitting in my driveway, Right? I was envisioning what the future might be, and I was, I was going to look cool in my truck, all those kind of things, but I didn't have to hope for a truck because the truck was there. We can only hope for that which we don't have. If we don't have it, then we hope for it. I don't, I don't have to hope for a good marriage. Do you know why? Because I've got a good marriage. I don't have to hope for godly kids that love Jesus. I've got godly kids that love Jesus by the grace of God. Okay, so I don't have to hope for those things. But what we hope for is the things we can't see. What we believe deeply for is the things we can't see, and one of the things we know is that when God push, puts a dream or a hope or a vision in our hearts, he, he's going to see it fulfilled. This is what it says in Romans 8:31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, then who can be opposition to you? Because see, hope only happens in the face of opposition. Hope only happens. In the face of a job loss, in the face of a cancer diagnosis, hope only happens when when the account is starting to get a little too low, when it looks like you're not going to be able to pay the rent. That's when hope has to kick in. Because you don't have anything to hope for when the bank account's great, when, when everybody's healthy and happy and life is good. That's not when hope happens. But the good news is when that adversity comes your way, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's what we anchor our hope in and say, okay, God, I know you, and I know that you're not just capable of doing good in my life. I know that you will do good in my life. And I choose to believe that. I choose to exercise that in my life and to walk that out. If God is for us, who can be against us? Because of their financial situation, Chris and his wife were already having marital problems, and Chris's wife left. She moved to New York and left Christopher to be raised by her, her husband, Chris was trying to do the best he could to raise Christopher on his own. They'd been evicted from the apartment that he was painting and he had to move to a cheap motel. Chris was trying to sell bone scanners on the weekend to make ends meet, but Christopher simply wanted to play some basketball. Hey, you know what today is? Yeah. What?
1: Saturday. You know what Saturday is, right? Yeah. What? Basketball. (laughs) You wanna go play some basketball? Okay. All right. Then we're going to go sell a bone density scanner. How about that? You wanna do that? No. Hey, <laughs> Dad, I'm going pro. Oh, <laughs> I'm going pro. Whoa. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know. And I I I was below average. Yeah, so whoa. So, you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know. So, really, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay. All right, go ahead. Period. Let's
0: go. We see that hope forces us to take risk. We also see that hope is easily killed if we don't let it grow. Um, he was illustrating perfectly that our hopes can be can be killed or smashed. Drained in a moment if we allow them to be. And, and there's actual, uh, there's actually a passage of scripture I want to share with you. I feel like it illustrates this perfectly. It's from Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now listen to this part. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. What we see here is there's a natural flow, there's a natural production process when it comes to hope, because hope doesn't just begin on its own. We see that suffering leads to endurance, and endurance leads to character, and character leads to hope. But many times in our life, we encounter suffering, we encounter hardship, and we shut things down. We have a hard time with our boss, and we go, hey, this is hard, it stinks, you know what, this can't be God's will for my life, because God doesn't want me to suffer, so I'm out, I'm done. Maybe, but maybe not. We're having a hard time in our marriage, and man, it's hard, that marriage isn't supposed to look like this, so you know what, It's tough. I'm quitting. We're tapping out. and We're done with this. Uh, There's situations in our life that come along. We go, this is hard. It's not supposed to be this hard. But guess what? Just because we're Christians does not mean we never encounter suffering. In fact, Jesus made it pretty clear that if we're going to be followers of Christ, we will encounter suffering, that we will encounter a lot of tough stuff in our lives, that it will not be... uh, flowers and rainbows and ponies all the time. See, I would love to say, if you just give your life to Christ, if you just serve Jesus, your life is gonna be perfect. Your relationships, perfect. Your finances, perfect. Your job, perfect. Everything will be wonderful if you just surrender your life to Christ. But that's not how it works. The truth is, we will encounter suffering But the good news is, if we will will be patient and and hold on to the hope that God has given us, we know that, that suffering leads to endurance, and endurance leads to character, and character produces hope. See, the reason many of us don't encounter hope in our lives is because we quit too early. We stop with the suffering. And then we wonder why we never have hope. We wonder why our relationships feel like they're hopeless, why our finances feel like they're hopeless, why our jobs, why everything feels devoid of hope. And the reason is we never push through. We never go past the suffering into endurance, into the character building, into hope. God wants us to push through and to not let our hopes be killed because of our own disbelief or the disbelief of others. Martin Luther said, faith is the beginning of life before all tribulation. So faith happens before tribulation happens. But then he goes on to say, hope proceeds from tribulation. When we have resistance and tribulation in our life, that's when hope begins to be birthed. That's when we begin to see hope arise in our lives. I had a guy, he was a pastor, he was my pastor a few years ago. And um, when I expressed to him the desire that I thought maybe, maybe I was going to go pastor a church. Maybe, maybe God was speaking to me to go lead a church someday. We were sitting in his office, and he was sitting across his desk from me, behind his desk. And he leaned forward in his desk, and he pointed at me, and he said, Mel, you don't have the capacity to lead more than about 75 people. He said, you don't have the ability. You can't do it. He said, you, you, if you go pastor church, you might be able to go pastor a tiny little church somewhere, but you're never going to be able to be successful. And I said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know what? You're so right. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to shut this thing down. No, do you know what I said? I said, thank you very much. I appreciate your feedback. And I walked out of his office, and I shook it off. I did what Taylor Swift tells me to do. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm not going to let the words he spoke to me take root in my heart. I'm not going to let the words he spoke to me destroy my hope. I, I, I'm choosing to push through that. I'm choosing to, to let suffering produce endurance, and endurance produce character, and character produce hope. That's what I'm choosing to do. But so many times we hear a word from somebody and they say, you can't be successful. You can never go that far. Your dream is too big. You can never succeed. You know, the marriage, you should never get together. Your marriage is doomed, just divorce anyway. And we go, you know what, you're right. And we shut it down, but we never let God birth hope in our lives through that process. I truly believe that sometimes we allow our hope to be killed because we just simply give up too soon. Chris's financial situation went from bad to worse. Um, He checked his account and saw that the IRS had seized some assets in order to pay back taxes. Chris was left with $27 in his account. Chris and Christopher were penniless. They were homeless. They were forced to live overnight in a, in a bathroom in a subway because they had no shelter. They had no place to go. He finally found a homeless shelter where they could stay overnight, but every morning they had to move out and then after work rush back in order to secure a place in line so they would have some place to stay. It was a stressful situation that led to an interesting conversation between Chris and his son. favorite color?
1: Green. Green? Mm-hmm. What do you like this green? Trees. Trees? What else?
0: Holly. <laughs>
1: Holly. It's Holly.
0: The Christmas stuff.
1: Ah, Christmas stuff. What's that? I guess they want us to go to sleep. Can you breathe? Um, You good? Yeah. All right. I gotta go work on the
0: scanner.
1: Don't go. No, no, no. I'm gonna be. I'll be right outside the door. All right. I'm just. I'm gonna be right there. I'll leave the door open a little bit, and I'll be able to hear you if you call me. I wanna go home. But that's why I gotta uh, work on the scanner. The stairs, and I'll be able to hear you if you call me. All right. All right. You gotta trust me, okay? You gotta trust me. Trust. Yeah. Trust me. I, trust. Yeah. 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 I trust you. I, trust. I can't hear you. I trust you. Right. Let me guess. a little while, okay? I'll be right here. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you trust me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> we see that hope forces us to take risks. Hope is easily killed if we don't let it grow. And the last thing is our hope is directly related to our trust in the Father. Um, I love what Chris was doing with Christopher because he was trying to get his eyes off of his circumstances and his eyes on what the future might be. He was trying to get his eyes secured on his father because his father had a plan. His father knew what they were gonna try to do. His father knew, hey, if we can just make it to the end of this thing and I can secure this job, our life will be different. It will look different. And so I think sometimes our Heavenly Father wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to get our eyes off our circumstances and secure our eyes on our Heavenly Father because he has a plan. He has a purpose. He's got a future for us that we can't even begin to understand. Let me share this verse with you. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. When we are fully devoted to God and we are pursuing Him and our hearts are His, He's got an incredible purpose and plan for us. We don't always know what it is or what that looks like, but we can place our trust in Him. And I will tell you that our hope is directly linked to our trust in God. That the more we can trust in God and believe Him for the future, the easy it is for us to hope for the future in those difficult circumstances. Because their circumstance was tough, wasn't it? They were homeless. They they were living in a bed or sleeping in a room in a bed that someone else would sleep in the next night. They didn't have any consistency in their life. They had no income in their life. But yet, Chris kept saying, do you you trust me? Do you trust me in spite of the circumstances? I think our Heavenly Father is asking us a similar question today. I think he's asking every one of us in this room, do you trust me? In spite of your circumstances, in spite of your situation, do you trust me? In spite of what you see around you, do you trust me that I have a plan for you? Because he does, if we'll trust him. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never really done this God thing before, this church thing before, but you acknowledge and say, man, there's something about it. I I want something different. I want a new life. I, I, I want that hope that you were talking about today because it only comes with a relationship with Jesus. It only comes with knowing our heavenly Father. So if you're here today and you say, I don't have that, but I want that, I'm not gonna make you come forward. I don't wanna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna know the hope you're talking about today. Would you pray for me? Would you just put your hand up real high so I can see it? Thank you, guys. Over here on my left on the aisle, thank you. On my far left over here, thank you, sir. A couple of guys over there, thank you, awesome. Who else? Would join these and say, "That's me. Pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want to make Him Lord of my life." Thank you. Up in the balcony, I appreciate you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Real quickly, say, "That's me. Pray for me. I want to. I want to have a relationship with Jesus." Thanks, sir. Right here in the front, you can put your hand Praise the Lord. Thank you. In the back by the camera, I appreciate you. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I just want you to repeat a really simple prayer after me. And um, you know, the the word of God tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ was risen from the dead, he's able to save us. So all we have to do is believe and that's the first step in this relationship. So I just wanna ask every person in this place just to repeat a really simple prayer after me. Just say this, say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, even when I didn't deserve it. I commit to do my best to follow you for the rest of my life. Today, I am yours. Take my life and use it for your glory. Thank you for forgiving me, washing me, and loving me. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause?